0: Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back to another episode of Seeing Other People. Together, we're navigating modern dating alongside experts and real-life daters who are sharing their stories. Don't have a date for tonight? No problem. Come learn, laugh, and maybe even cry along with us as we navigate the dating scene together. Damona Hoffman, welcome back to Seeing Other People. I am so excited to be here reunited virtually with you.
1: Reunited. And it feels so good, girlfriend. (laughs) So, so good.
0: For those of you who are listening who don't know Demona, you need to know Demona. Little background on Demona. She is the host of the incredible podcast, Dates and Mates. She is a regular contributor to the Drew Barrymore show. No big deal. NPR and the Washington Post. And she now is the author of a brand new book out today, January 2nd. F the fairy tale. Look at that cover. It is stunning.
1: Thank you. I'm very happy with the cover. It does have my signature pink and it does have the, the phrase that I just keep hearing from people, F the fairy tale. And like, I'm done with dating. I'm burned out on dating. I just really wanted to capture this moment that we're in. And I know you're hearing a lot about this moment too. So I'm excited to help people out here.
0: I'm excited that you're bringing more of you to people. You know, people listen to podcasts, people watch TV, people read articles, but now you're bringing a whole book of Demona expertise, and I think that is exactly what the dating world needs. What led you to want to write this book, and how long has this book been in the making?
1: (laughs) Um, I would say this book has been in the making like 17 years as long as I've been doing dating coaching. like. I was coaching and writing dating profiles before most people even knew what online dating was. And I've really been tracking the trends and the changes all along the way. Like on dates and mates, I, I was going back through old episodes. I actually reported on the launch of Tinder, if you can believe it. No
0: way. Yeah.
1: In 2013. So I'm like, dang, I've been podcasting a really long time, but I, I just, I love looking under the hood at what's actually happening in dating and relationships. And I was feeling like about three years ago, I was feeling like we were kind of coming to an inflection point where dating had become this conversation that really had changed dramatically from prior generations, even from just a few years ago, even from pre-Tinder. It just felt like dating had become so so charged and so frustrating for so many people when it used to seem like it was something that would just happen naturally. And I was hearing from a lot of dates and mates listeners, like, I don't want to feel like I need to put in this much effort to work this hard to find love. And I was like, something has to be broken here and I need to demystify this for people. So I say, it's not a how-to book. I'm not really interested in prescribing a, a, traditional set of rules and then saying, hey, just follow this book and you'll find love. I'm much more interested in the conversation that you and I are having in the unpacking of what's going on. So I say it's more of a, it's a why, how book. Why is dating so challenging today? And then how do we move out of this and get towards finding true human connection? Because that is ultimately what we all want. Do you think that quote,
0: dating is harder now than ever before, end quote. Because I feel like, you know, I've been in the dating space for like six years now, and I feel like every year I've been asked that question. And so I'm curious because you have years and years of experience. 2024, is dating harder now than ever before? Or was dating harder in 2016 or 2021 or 2003 before dating apps? What do you think has been the pinnacle of modern dating is terrible. Mm.
1: Uh, depends on how you define the word harder. Mm-hmm. So what I say in "F the Fairy Tale" is we have more choice than we have ever had, and I didn't just go back through the 17 years I've been dating coaching. I went way back into into historical data from even, you know, the 1900s. And we think, oh, it just was so easy back then. You just, you didn't have to work at Finding Love. Yeah, and you got married at 19. You were pregnant by 21. You didn't have a job. You didn't have any livelihood outside of your husband. You couldn't meet someone if they didn't live in your five square block radius or go to your church or know them from school. Uh, I, I, I live in a world where I love choice. I love having so much opportunity and look, you know, I'm speaking to like a free world audience. I do recognize that there are a lot of people that don't even have choice today. So let's just acknowledge that for a second, that having choice at all is a good thing and having, and it's a privilege. However, this is the but, I will acknowledge that dating today takes more of a process. It takes more of a focus. And I understand why it feels, it feels, quote, harder, because we do have to focus on it. But I feel like the results of having so much more choice and opportunity is ultimately far greater than our parents, our grandparents, or prior generations.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and when you spell it out of like, yeah, there were fewer options, it was easier, but none of us would want that where we could only date or not even date. People didn't date, you know, and that's not what we would want. We wouldn't want to just be set up with somebody in here. There's our person. Like, I do think it is a luxury that we get to create connections and decide for ourselves what type of person we do and don't want to be with. I think that's a beautiful thing. And it takes stepping back and having this holistic view of what, where dating started, where it is now to really appreciate Hey, yeah, it's really it can be difficult to sift through all the people on the apps and in the bars and go on dates that don't lead to anything, but how cool is it that we get to choose who we want to be with?
1: Yeah. And like Alana, I'm I'm from a dual religion, dual race background. I could not even exist, yeah. you know, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Yeah. Like there the possibility of my parents even meeting did not exist and then we fast forward to the, to today where we have the ability to meet people of different different races different religions just different socioeconomic backgrounds i have helped people find love across country across cro- outside of the country all around the world and that to me is actually really exciting because i really feel like my world is expanded through knowing people of all different backgrounds all around the world. And I know that that expanse can be overwhelming for people, but from where I sit and seeing clients that were really frustrated with the dating pool where they were and ended up finding love with someone halfway across the globe and building that into a lasting relationship is really exciting. And I love Helping people lean into that possibility, but putting some frameworks around mm-hmm. how to do it in a way that doesn't burn you out.
0: Yeah, I think that is a huge, huge key. And obviously, I mean, there's, oh my God, there's so many tangents we're, I'm going to try not to go on because there's so much I want to talk about with the book and I have listener questions. But yeah, I mean, dating burnout is something that I think every single person listening to this can relate to and has experienced, if they're not experiencing it right now, at least in the last six months, the last year, real quick before we get into the book, or maybe I'm sure this is in the book, um, but any tips off the top of your head for avoiding dating burnout or navigating dating burnout or what to do if you are currently experiencing dating burnout?
1: Well, even the concept of dating burnout, which I do actually talk about in F the Fairy Tale, uh, that is a concept that I think is intrinsically flawed. Like the idea that we have to go on a dating hiatus. (laughs) When we take a hiatus or we abstain from something, it means that we are addicted. It means that we have an unhealthy relationship with that thing. So that is something... I think we all have to take some responsibility for and examining, like what is our role in dating burnout? And I think there's, there's so many tips I could give in how to avoid the dating burnout. But first I just ask people to take a look at their dating activities, like the way that they're communicating and the way they're using dating apps. It's great. You know, I, I met my husband online. I'm most of my clients have met their partners online. I love dating apps, but you know, if we look at what technology is really doing to our brains and how it's reconfiguring uh, our expectations on what communication looks like, um, it's no wonder that we would be burned out if we don't put, s- same way like with social media. Like we see people being like, well, I'm just gonna avoid social media because we have We've been showing up there in a way that's not really either in alignment with us or that is not uh, healthy. The volume is not healthy for the way that our brains have been wired for centuries.
0: only $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutriful for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. Brave the uncomfortable. So, head to presentlybracelets.com. That's P R E S E N T L Y bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code Seeing Other People. Yeah, it's funny. You know, end of the year, Spotify Wrapped always comes out and seeing the amount of minutes people have listened to music or listened to podcasts or even specific podcasts. It would be so fascinating if dating apps, and they would never do this, but if they came out with, hey, you spent. This number of minutes swiping this year. You spent this number of minutes debating if you're going to message someone back only to decide to not message them back. And it's such a crazy concept, the amount of time we spend on dating apps specifically where most of the time it doesn't even lead to dates. And that's where you end up in this cycle of like, well, I'm trying, I'm putting in the effort and I'm still not finding my person. What's wrong with me?
1: Yeah. Wow. That is like a really hot take. And I think we should talk to dating apps about that for (laughs) sure. Cause I am very interested in that information, but yeah, a lot of folks are saying a lot and not a lot is being said. And you know, I'm not saying this to, to put down anybody's dating process, but I'm just asking you to examine how it feels for you. Does it feel frustrating and overwhelming? Does it feel like you have this endless thread of of, I I call it the texting trap. You know, you and I talked about texting on dates and mates. Are you kind of stuck in this texting trap or these endless DM threads that never amount to anything? And then what if you could put a process around it? Because there are best practices. You and I have been both doing this a long time. There are best practices that can reduce your stress and anxiety that can also... Just take stock of how much time you are putting into it and just make sure it's like an audit. Make sure you're putting your efforts into the dating activities that are actually yielding results and the yes. yielding the feelings that you want to feel.
0: Exactly. I think I spent so much of my 20s repeating bad habits and, and giving into things and people that were making me feel terrible. And I wish I could go back and like shake myself and be like, on oh, a you are miserable right now. You are more anxious than you ever should be. And you have the power to do something different. You have it in you to make different choices and choose a better path and a better future for yourself. And it's so hard when you're in it to realize that, but it does take, and and that's why I love our communities. Our, Our communities of people are the people who want to grow and want to push themselves and want to challenge themselves and I definitely was not in that boat when I was feeling this terrible about my dating life. But I think it's amazing that there's so much content out there and there's people like you and me who are encouraging people like, hey, do something different or see what isn't working here and we can
1: help you fix it. Yeah. And hopefully this episode is a wake-up call to anyone that feels like, well, I've been doing it and doing it. I've been listening to seeing other people and I've been listening to dates and mates and I've been doing the work, but it I'm still frustrated. And then just like take a step back and say, is there a better way to do this? And for many people, the better way may it may be stepping away from dating apps. That might be the source of your burnout. Or it may be, it may be just shifting your focus in certain, in certain spaces and in certain places. But I I never say, I always say don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Cause I feel like I, I I feel like dating apps are getting the brunt of like everyone's dating frustration. And then it seems like everything that folks are talking about is like, well, I want to meet someone offline or like, Oh, I'm going to do matchmaking or uh, I'm going to go to singles mixers, and there's this sort of fantasy that it, will, it must be easier over there. So I'm right. just going to push all of this away, and then I'm going to say that I'm doing that. But I'm also not really seeing everyone leaning all the way in to that strategy as well. It has to be balanced.
0: It's got to be balanced because if you put, like you said, it, all your eggs in the dating app basket you're not being open to the possibility of meeting people in other ways, or you're not putting yourself out there. The dating apps are one way to meet people, but they are new in the span of human history. There were so many other ways to meet people before that are still around now. And to just rely on the dating apps or to say, screw the dating apps, I'm not using them anymore. I'm just going to go to singles mixers or get set up. You're doing yourself a disservice It's exactly what you said. It's balance. You got to a little bit over here, a little bit over there and be open to possibility.
1: Yeah. And look, it is hands down the most efficient way to date. Like you cannot meet that volume of people. If you go out to a club or a mix anywhere, you can't, you can't meet that many people from your pajamas sitting on the toilet. Like I know you, I know y'all are there swiping, (laughs) but that's the reality. And so we think about, well, how much effort is it going to take? So when we're doing this audit and we're thinking about, well, where am I putting my efforts? And we have this rosy view of it's better over there off of the apps. Then I say to my clients, okay, so you've got to show up to like two events a week and you've, you need to call, I call it in the book, I call it your connector circle. You need to go to the people who can connect you to the right kind of people and maybe you need to invest like 5 to 10k in a matchmaker and and then when i start saying well this is how they're we like, do it today <laughs> yeah they're like oh i don't i don't have that time or money or you know i can't make that investment and it's like well right. then let's invest in the thing that is really yielding the most results and it's just it's efficient to be on dating apps and there are ways that you can sort of shore up all of that lost effort on dating apps without pushing it away entirely. Yeah. A thousand percent. Okay. I want to talk about the book because
0: I want to talk about these four big dating myths that you cover and what we could replace them with that may be a better approach. So let's start with the four big myths. What are they?
1: There are really like so many myths, (laughs) but I (laughs) narrowed it down to four for this book. And the first myth that I see people come to me for help with is the list myth. So this is the idea that I I have this unique list of he must be six feet tall. He must be six feet tall because I'm five, nine. And if I'm wearing heels and (laughs) there's like a whole mess.
0: Hold on that. I have a lot of very short friends who are five, one, and they're like, he must be six feet tall for the sake of my future children. I'm like, all right. Like (laughs) what about all the five, five guys who are getting glossed over because they're not fitting into people's height requirements on apps and they're actually really wonderful. And you would be a perfect fit for them.
1: You are exactly making my point, Alana, because <laughs> I, I say in the book that a lot of people come to me with their list and maybe it's not height, maybe it's education, money, race, location. They come to me with their list and I'm like, this is the same list. <laughs> We're all dating from the same list. Whether you're 5'1 or 5'9, the list is the same. And then I start thinking, well, whose list is this anyway? Is this my list? Is this my client's list? Is this society's list? Is this rom com's list? Where did this list come from? And I explore that a bit in the book. And then I encourage people to replace it with the pillars, the four pillars of long term compatibility that I've talked about for over a decade that I always see as the foundational elements for my clients that have moved from matching online or off into long term relationships. They all have these four pillars. And the first of it, is shared goals. So rather than just making the list based on everybody else's list, I really have my clients get into the feeling of what it will be like to meet that person. And I have exercises in F the fairy tale that help guide you through this. And then we really just begin with where are you headed? <laughs> where are you going? Because you can end up in a situation where somebody is like great on paper. But then you start making excuses. You start telling a story. You're like, well, they said they weren't interested in a relationship, but I'm going to change that for them. Or well, they they don't they're not really wanting marriage or they don't they're they're not into kids and I want kids, but it's okay, because you know, we'll we'll just see what happens. And then you're what, wasting more time, right? You can't,
0: especially with things like that with, you know maybe you have really strong religious beliefs and you know you want to raise your kids a certain way and you they know that they absolutely do not, you're probably not going to compromise on that. If you know you want kids and they know that they don't, the worst thing you both could do is say, oh, we'll figure this out. We'll cross this bridge when we get there. Like, same thing with if somebody knows that they want to get married and the other person doesn't believe in marriage, those are fundamental incompatibilities.
1: Yes, 100%. And I'm not judging anyone saying... I need to be with somebody of of my same, you know, religion or background. I'm just asking everyone to just examine it and to look at it and figure that out before you get into the dating process. Now, that alone, that's going to save you a lot of time on, like, the initial swipe because if you you, you have to <laughs> commit to it, though. If you see that they are not really aligned with your goals from the beginning, whether it's in the swipe or in the first date, You have to follow through. Otherwise, then you start getting into burnout and wasting more time.
0: All right, all right, I know that everyone has their hands up, and I get it. for 20% off your order. That's code SOP for 20% off. Farmer owned, Vermont grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? episode of Dateable, season 15, episode 10. Is it chemistry or anxiety? Guys, this podcast is incredibly relatable, insightful, and oftentimes hilarious. Wherever you start, Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. You can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday. So check out Dateable and thank me later. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part is the follow through because people are like, oh, but they're so perfect in every other way. And so maybe I can overlook this thing. Like, no, you can't. You actually can't because this is something that is a really big deal and something that you shouldn't have to compromise on. And there will be somebody out there that has those same values and same goals.
1: I'm going to tell you a story about that. (laughs) Tell me a story. (laughs) From my own life. It's actually not even in the book. This is a Seeing other people exclusive. Oh boy, <laughs> you heard it here first. I I was in a four-year-long situationship, essentially. It was like back and forth. This this person who was non-committal, who I on paper was like, well, this person is the one. And our brains are really, we're. We're really wired for storytelling. Like we love to, we love to skip ahead to the end of the book, you know, and and try and see what the ending is going to be when we're at the beginning. And my beginning, unfortunately, was four years of my life. And I finally got to the point where I said, look, I really need commitment. Like this is we're talking about square one, (laughs) page one. I'm looking for commitment in a relationship. And I let this person take up all that time, all that space in my heart, all that space in my brain. And I didn't have the first question answered. And you know what, Alana? I had this very brave conversation and he was like, I can't, mm, I can't do that. Like can't show up for you in that way, basically. Those weren't his words. But I thought I was going to be devastated and instead i was relieved i really felt liberated and i was like so i don't have to do this i don't have to cuz once you have the clarity that's the thing i feel like we're so afraid of the clarity because we don't want to feel quote rejected yeah that the that we don't want to ask the question that's going to get us the clearest answer and i did that brave thing i asked the clear question and i got the clear answer and then it was like okay well i can't go back on this now. Like I, I set that sort of ultimatum for myself. And I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to need. Like, I'm going to need to not talk to you. Like, don't text me. If I see you at a party, you know, we had a lot of friends in common. If I see you at a party, I might leave, like, don't take it personally, but I just need to step away from this. And here's, here's the happy ending. About three or four months later, I was on, I was dating online and I ended up meeting the man who is now my husband and we've been together ever since. And it was so different, Alana. Like the drama wasn't there. The lack of clarity wasn't there. It was such a different experience. And I really feel like if I had let the situation just go on, which I could, I I could still be in the situation. You could still be in it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I hope not. (laughs) But if I let it keep going uh, I wouldn't have really, even if I was on or off the apps, I don't think I would have really been clear and in the headspace where I was like, okay, I'm committing to a relationship and commitment. And this is the bar. Now the bar has been reset. And this is what anybody needs to clear to be able to be entitled to the gift of my time. And I really want like all of the seeing other people, listeners and everyone who reads F the fairy tale to really hold to that. What is that bar? And let that be your guiding light going forward.
0: Yeah. And I love so much of everything you just shared. And I think one thing that's really key and that stuck out to me is this concept that you got your answer. And I know how scary it is to ask those questions and to open up and be vulnerable and figure out what we're looking for, but share what we're looking for. I know how scary it feels but I also know how much better it feels to just have your answer. Every single time an answer is better than no answer and creating all of these narratives in your head and making assumptions and guessing and seeing, okay, well, if I ask and they say this, then that means I don't know, I have to figure it. No, ask the questions and get your answers and you deserve that information. You owe it to yourself to have that information so you can make educated decisions and you can do what makes sense for you. And I just, there were so much anxiety and pain that I suffered through because I was afraid to question things. And I owed it to myself to ask those questions and to get those answers. And I would have been so much better off had I done that.
1: Yeah. I We've all been there. And I really look at this entire process of dating as a learning experience of self-study. And if you kind of flip the perspective of it's not just about the goal, it's about what am I learning here? I got so much, I got so much personal growth and value out of having that brave conversation that then I was able to take into my next relationship and make it there was one in between, but <laughs> there always is I... a <laughs> little blip, right? <laughs> Who's right. counting? Exactly. No, nobody's counting. Nobody counts. No, no one's counting. No, oh, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. Yeah. And it, it really has helped me to be not only a better human, but really a better partner for my husband. And that is the journey of self-discovery mm-hmm. that I love leading people towards. And it also kind of takes this idea out of like dates being wastes of time. It's you, you are in control of your time being wasted. Like, I don't know how many dates you probably had this experience too. Just like bad first dates that I just stayed on because I was like, well, I don't want to make the other person feel bad. Or I'm just, um, uh, I, I came like an hour, I drove an hour here. And so it's was like, I might as well like give them another hour. No, let's not, let's not do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Like you have my permission. If you need my permission, you don't need my permission, but if you need somebody to tell you, you have my permission. Like if you get to the date and you're just like, no, not a match based on the pillars. (laughs) I give my clients three must haves and one deal breaker. So we don't over focus on the red flags, but then we kind kind of start moving into the 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 second of the pillars, and that's values. And these are also sort of metered out based on when they're revealed to you. Like people will tell you you're they they can tell you dating goals pretty early on, but values you kind of have to see how they're revealed to you. And the values also go along with this this search in this search process, like. Where you're even meeting people, where you're finding people, and then how you're, how you're sort of filtering through people before you get to the date. So I look at that myth for that second second phase as the myth of the rules myth. You know, we're just like, okay, well, like what what criteria am I looking for? Uh, what's the rule? What's the game that I'm playing? What, you know i I, I want to win. And we both know that it's, it's not, it's, it's not a winning, it's not a game. (laughs) It's not not at all. It's not. But um, that is something that I feel like we can get, especially in the age of social media and so much of our relationships becoming public. It does feel like, and, and in the world of like, you know, Tinder's language when they started was like, want to keep playing. Like, you know, it, it is gamified. And I'd like to kind of remove that from the the search experience of dating.
0: Yeah, I almost wish, you know, I watch these reality dating shows and there are so many issues with so many of them, but I do think there's one thing that they get right and that these people are dating without phones and without social media and they don't get to... You know, backstalk somebody and see what they did six years ago that gives them an ick. They don't get to see. Oh, are they posting on their Instagram story and not texting me back, or are they watching my stories but haven't asked me out on a date yet? They don't have access to all of these things that we define or we we give meaning and definition to. When really, again, it's just people sitting on the toilet, not <laughs> intending to make you feel a certain type of way. And so, I feel like in, in seeing the impact that social media and texting and everything on our phones has had. I, I do almost wish people could date the way that they do on reality TV, where all of that is removed.
1: I'm not mad at reality TV. I mean, i have hosted two reality dating and relationship shows. So I, I do love, I do love the entertainment of <laughs> reality dating shows. I don't know why anyone would ever choose to go on one, but that's not my business. I, I certainly love watching it as, as sort of a learning tool as well, but that's a really amazing observation. I hadn't really thought about the fact that they, they're like, not even just not on their phones, but they're, they can't talk to their family. No. Like they can't have their, their negative, negative Nancy girlfriend who's like, mm I don't really like his hair in that picture. (laughs) Right. Making you second guess everything. Yeah. They're not
0: sending screenshots to their group chat asking everyone to analyze it. (laughs) Right. Exactly.
1: And dating has sort of become a spectator sport. And it is interesting to see what happens when you remove the other voices from the process and you really go deep into figuring out who am I? What do I need in a relationship? What do I have to offer? What are my predominant thoughts about dating? Like that loop that's playing in your mind really affects your actions and then how you are feeling about the dating experience. And so, you know, if you're saying F the fairy tale, we, we have to just be aware of what inputs you're taking in that are drawing that conclusion.
0: Yeah. What is a better approach? instead of treating dating as a game
1: Well, it's really looking at it like this process of self-discovery and then when we do clarify it's all of these these myths and pillars they sort of um, it's a continuum like we always start with a mindset I help my clients. And my readers clarify the mindset first. And then we look at, well, where are we going to find like-minded people? And then we start moving into the date. Like, I feel like we're just trying to shortcut everything. And I hate to break it to y'all, but there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. So we have to go through the experience. But if we can take this, this philosophy that the experience is, is the goal. The experience yeah. is the goal and the relationship is sort of an offshoot of that. But to 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 remove ourselves from the game really will alleviate a lot of anxiety. But then we get to the date. And that's when the third myth comes in. That's the chemistry myth. I dun, really wanted to hear the whole idea that like the first time we meet someone, fireworks are gonna go off, the organ is gonna play. And we are going to know immediately because everything we're going to have butterflies and everything in our body is going to tell us this person is it. They are the one. Doesn't happen like that. It does not. No, No,
0: I I thought it did. And every single time it did, it led to disaster. And guess what? My first date with Jake, I was like, he's nice. Like, yeah, I'll go out with him again. Okay. So
1: here's my question at the, what what made you say, I will go out with him again? What what shifted in, from the moment you met to the end of the date that made you say, yeah, I'll give it another go?
0: We had a lot in common. We talked about silly things like our love for the Jonas Brothers. We talked about just like random things. We talked about the way we grew up. Um, there was no... Oh my god, I'm obsessed with this person and I'm going to die if I don't see them again feeling. But it felt easy and the biggest thing was after he said I had a great time and I'd love to see you again. And him doing that made me feel so comfortable and at ease because I didn't have to go down that anxious spiral of, "Oh my god, did he like me? What is he thinking? Will I ever see this guy again?" I just knew where exactly where I stood and I was like, "Yeah, I'll see him again. Like, that was fine. I could definitely have a good time on another date. And it took until I think our third date for me to really be like, oh, like I, I do see myself having feelings for this person.
1: Yeah. Um, again, you've, you've made my point for me. <laughs> I have I'm a, a perfect, case day- study. <laughs> perfect case study. Perfect case study. I have a three date rule with my clients. I say, Give it until the third date like at the end of the first date, all you need to know is that you're curious enough about them to spend one more hour with them at the end of the second date, same question, and then if the at the end of the third date, you're not like, mm, I might kiss this person. Mm, I, what would it be like? you know if you're not starting to have other thoughts, then it's usually you know friend energy, but I find that a lot of people first date no butterflies ah, must not be the one next, and I I think you know when we were in the pandemic and everything was so transactional you had all the time in the world to go on as many like virtual dates as you wanted and you could just you could just spend all your day on the dating apps then maybe it made sense then to just sort of you know just see. (laughs) But now I think you have to be clear before you even get to the date on those other pillars we were discussing, the goals and the values, and it helps you make the decision more clearly. And then you can also take the pressure off the decision because it's not like, it's not, am I going to spend the rest of my life with this person? It's just, could I see them for another hour? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then relationships really develop over time. But then we start getting into the fourth myth, is the soulmate myth. The idea that there's one person, the one predestined for me. All I need to do is search for this needle in a haystack. And then I will know, because of chemistry, I will know the minute that I meet them. And uh, I don't. I just don't believe in soulmates. Do you believe in soulmates? I don't. I believe that there are a lot of people that
0: we could build a partnership with. I believe that at like, how could there be one soulmate for me? Like I, I live in New York right now. What happens if my soulmate is on the other side of the world? I decide to go take a trip somewhere else when they happen to be in New York. Like logistically, it doesn't make sense, but also I've changed so much. What happens if I had met my quote unquote soulmate when I was 22, I'm a completely different person now than I was then. And the chances that we would have grown and changed it both individually and together to a point where our values and our goals still align, like, I just don't, it, it doesn't add up to me. And I think that the idea of a soulmate is a really limiting belief. And you end up missing out on so many. Incredible potential partners by saying, Well, there's the one out there for me. And also having this concept of, or this idea in your head of, I know exactly what they're going to look like, or what they're going to be interested in, or how they're going to act, or where I'm going to meet them.
1: 100% agree. And the additional part of that is that when you move into the relationship, if you are attached to the soulmate myth, then you question everything. You're like, well, I like them. They're nice. Like you said, (laughs) they're nice. And I thought the same thing when I met my husband, Seth, I was like, he's really nice. The the main thing that stood out, is I said, he's probably the smartest guy I've ever met. And I'm just so intrigued about how his brain works. And like, that is something that can really sustain for a long time, much more than like, Nice eyes or cute dimples, or you know, hundred percent, yeah. But what I see with the soulmate myth is that we we get attached to this idea of the one, and it's supposed to be a certain thing that we know with every fiber of our being. And in my experience, sounds like in your experience, and most of the time, it doesn't play out like that and so then when you're in the relationship if you're attached to the soulmate myth you're constantly questioning well I like this person but are they the one the one I don't know and then we we talk ourselves out of what really is just building a relationship yeah. that is just the process it's, it's not always glamorous it's not always you don't always have sound effects underneath <laughs> but womp womp <laughs> But it is the journey. It is this process that we were talking about of self-discovery, and then that's a thing that sustains. You know, I've been with with my husband twenty years. I've been with my husband for twenty years. I cannot believe that. Uh, But we do keep growing together, and that curiosity that we that I felt on date one, and date two, and date three, the curiosity actually continues to grow, and that's exciting to me.
0: Yeah, and. Because also, what happens if you meet somebody and you're like, they're the one, they're my soulmate, and then you hit a rough patch? Are you going to just be like, oh, no, they must not be the one because it was supposed to be easy. It was supposed to make sense the whole way through. Like, no, you have to work and you have to build your relationship. And you're going to hit rough patches and you have to work through them together.
1: Yeah. I had my in-laws on an episode of Dates and Mates a while back. I think it was like their 50-something anniversary. I think they've been oh. married like 60 years now. Wow. And I know, I know. And I said, I want you guys to be on the show and talk about, you know, how you build a relationship for that long. And they said, I don't, I don't know if you really want us on the show because it hasn't been always smooth. And it's not- But that's like, real. Yeah, they thought I wanted the fairy tale. And I said, you know what? F the F fairy, the fairy tale. tale. I want the real story. And it was really instructive for me just to hear how they work through challenges and how they continue to commit and recommit to one another. And now they have a beautiful relationship. And they it's really lovely to see how they have each other to go through this phase of life. and. I want that. I know I want that. So knowing that there is always a a way to to take those moments where it feels like it feels like ah oh, this isn't how the story is supposed to go to take those moments and really flip them on their ear and yeah. see what you can what you can learn from them, how you can grow from them and hopefully if you have chosen a partner based on the pillars that we've talked about, then your partner is willing to meet you halfway and do that same sort of work and have that same sort of journey along with you.
0: Absolutely. I want to go back to what I said before about like, oh, like if I met someone when I was 22, like how would we have grown and and changed together? And I want to clarify because I don't, I didn't mean to say like, we're not going to grow and like, I don't plan to be the same person in 10 years that I am now. It was more so that I definitely wasn't ready. And had I Mm. met somebody, I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the, I just didn't have, I wasn't going to be able to make a lasting relationship work at that time. I still had so much to learn and so much to do on my own first. So I definitely, of course, like, of course, we're going to grow and change and all that. But I was just thinking about that as you were talking.
1: Yeah, honestly, I I can't believe I could do that in my early 20s. Because <laughs> uh, I wasn't even necessarily looking. I, I, I think it's important to look at long-term goals and short-term goals. Like at the moment that I met my husband, I wasn't necessarily looking for marriage. I was like, I but I want commitment. I want a serious relationship. And then like the goalpost sort of moves. Every time you clear one hurdle, then you're like, oh, okay then we have to set up the next goalpost and the next goalpost. And yeah. that was something that was really interesting in talking to my in-laws and seeing how, how many phases they've gone through. But certainly if you're aligning based on the pillars and I didn't even share yet what the, <laughs> what the last pillar is and that's trust. And that's really only able to be built over time. And in these moments where, like you were just saying, where you're going to run into rough patches, conflicts, changes in who you are and what you want out of life, and if you have trust, then ultimately you can weather that storm together.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, you won't know if you feel comfortable, if you feel safe with someone until you experience it. And on a a much smaller scale, like that is actually one of the reasons why on my third date with Jake... I decided like, oh, this is someone I could have feelings for because it was March of 2021 or February of 2021. I had just gotten my COVID shot for the first time the day before. I was so sick, couldn't lift my arm, couldn't put my jacket on, couldn't cut my food for myself. And I felt horrible, but I went to the date. He was so patient, so helpful. Like, Literally, he cut my food for me. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. But at the end of the date, we ended up going back to my apartment, sitting on the couch and watching One Tree Hill for like five hours. And I was like, wow, this is somebody that on a day where I feel so horrible, like physically horrible, I could have a really good time and feel comfortable enough to get home, take off my cute outfit, put on sweatpants, sit on the couch feeling horrible and feel comfortable. And so even just having the ability to see that, like you're not going to know what you could build with somebody until you have these moments that show you who they are and
1: who you are with them. I love that story. And you two are so cute together. I'm so happy for you. And, and you really, through this journey that you've been on and sharing on seeing other people, I, I love that listeners can really see how track, how those changes happen and how that thought process has evolved and how the relationship has evolved along with you.
0: Yeah, it's really special to see. Just like how you're I mean, dates and mates is I I want to go back and listen to when Tinder launched. Like that is so cool. <laughs> you
1: can't because I only have the last 100 episodes. So much has changed. Uh and I feel like even my own attitudes have changed about so many things that I, you know, I just have the most recent 100 episodes because that's a lot of episodes. I have like fair close to 500 episodes. Crazy. I don't know. I Maybe you can convince me to open up the vault or maybe I should like pull some from the vault and be like. That'd be cool. From, yeah, occasionally. Archives. Yeah, ha- happy holidays. Christmas present. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it is really interesting just to see how much has shifted in dating when you really just layer in like all of the, all of the shifts that we've had, like pre Tinder and TikTok, and like yeah. so many, so many things have shifted. But the thing that remains the same is that we all want human connection. Yes. That is not going to go away. We, we need to have what, you know, and that may look different. Like that's a big thing that shifted since I've been doing the show, just the ability to form a partnership that matches really ultimately what you want. And it may not look like it may not be marriage and the picket fence and two point what is it, two point four kids or whatever. How do you have a point? For a <laughs> right. <know. laughs> and the dog, you know, and all that. It it might not look like that for you. And I think and that's, that, okay. that's wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's let that be okay. Whether you want an open relationship, whether you are are having a you know whether you're changing your perspective on on gender identity or you know really just becoming a different version of yourself like let's lean into all of it because life is it. short yeah. yes life is short yeah and, yeah and we we just only get one chance to do this so I always say on dates and mates that you know who you time is our most valuable resource we're not getting any more of it so who you choose to spend it with and how you spend it is so important. And I just want folks to be doing that mindfully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, are beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I feel you like me. this should that have been playing that fun. whole
0: time. Um,
1: there is... Should I start over? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there is so much more. We hardly scratched the surface of what I wanted to talk to you about naturally. But you guys, you're going to have to get F the fairy tale link in the show notes for you to get it. Demona, where else besides my show notes for people who are not able to grab their phone right now and click that button and order it? Where can people order it? Where can they get the book?
1: They can go to fthefairytalebook.com. They can go to datesandmates.com where uh, I have new episodes of Dates and Mates every Tuesday as well. So you can listen to Seeing Other People and then just pop right on over. Nah, listen to to Dates Dates and Mates and then
0: Seeing Other People.
1: No, no, no. (laughs) Well, they're listening to this now. So maybe next week you can flip it. Switch off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Definitely subscribe to Dates and Mates and that's where I do a lot of my my love advice um, and where I like examine... Surveys and trends and uh, new features on apps, and all of that stuff. And then, of course, I'm on the socials at Damona Hoffman.
0: Woo! All of that is linked. Guys, seriously, get the book. Get the book. Get the book. Get the book. Especially if you're listening to this right when it comes out. January is the busiest time of the year for dating and dating apps. There's so much for you to learn. And if you want to find love this year, F the fairy tale can help. Damona can help. So get the book. Get the book. Get the book. At the fairytalebook.com. Demona, <laughs> thank you so much. Love having you as always, and to be continued.
1: Thank you. To be continued. To be continued. Thanks
0: for listening, daters. I hope today's episode made you feel just a little bit less alone out there, no matter what your status might be. Give your finger a break from swiping and hit that follow and review button instead. And if you have any burning questions or want to share your own dating horror stories, reach out to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, keep on seeing other people. Mads, I'm obsessed with our brand pillars. You mean vagina sweat, good branding, and being Jewish blooded queens, scout? uh sure but not quite i love that ok podcast and our sisterhood is made up of women who are down for main character energy only who take care of their mental health and who are standing in their personal power as entrepreneurs oh yeah that too scout that too we should probably introduce ourselves hello everyone i am mads and i am scout and we are sisters i r l Join us on OKSYS Podcast every Monday for some sisterly banter, nourishing mental health, a whole lot of silliness, and inspiring interviews from the raddest female guests in the game. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, bads.
1: Welcome to the sisterhood!